you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. In any given group of people, there will always be what sociologists call a dominant culture. A dominant culture is one that has established its own norms, values, and preferences as the standard for an entire group of people. Preferences and norms are imposed regardless of whether they contradict what is usual for other members of the group. The group tends to accept and adopt these behaviors and practices even though they aren't shared. So for many generations in America, we could describe our culture as Judeo-Christian. That was the dominant culture. This doesn't mean that everyone was a Christian or everyone wholeheartedly adopted Christianity or Judaism as their religion. But it did mean that some version of a Christian culture was imposed on all America and much of the Western world, whether certain members of the group liked it or not. Well, there's also an alternate way to look at the last 200 plus years of American culture. It could be said that the dominant culture was white or WASP, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. White culture dominated all other cultures in America even though we are a nation built on immigration, a great melting pot of all sorts of ethnicities. Through that lens, we have the language of majority and minority, as in all cultures. Whites are in the majority, all other ethnicities are in the minority. Since whites are in the majority, they get to be the dominant culture. But things have been shifting in America for a while. Populations are certainly shifting. Currently, white people still make up about 60% of the population. But that number has been steadily decreasing while other ethnic groups have grown. Projections are that in just eight years from now, that number will be closer to 55% in America. I say all this to lay the foundation for our culture topic today, the rise of the culture of critical race theory, or CRT, also known as systemic racism. Just to put all my cards on the table, I'm a white male, 55 years old, and an Anglo-Saxon Protestant. So I am part of the majority population and dominant culture in America. While anyone can benefit from a biblical look at critical race theory, I am primarily thinking about how other white Christians should understand CRT and engage with it. I know all this already sounds pretty racist, but hopefully the content of this episode will be anything but racist. I will attempt to give biblical counsel on CRT and the broader issue of systemic racism. There may certainly be some listening who believe I have no business speaking of this topic as a white person, but I believe I do need to speak out as a Christian, as spiritual head of my family, and as a biblical counselor. So let's go ahead and try to dig deep into the subject of critical race theory, seeking to understand and respond to it biblically. 
Let's begin with definitions and distinctions so we can understand CRT better. Critical race theory is an academic and legal framework that denotes that systemic racism is part of American society, from education and housing to employment and health care. So let's start with this definition. This is the most basic definition of critical race theory. It is all about describing how American society itself is racist. Well, here's more. Critical race theory recognizes that racism is more than the result of individual bias and prejudice. It is embedded in laws, policies, and institutions that uphold and reproduce racial inequalities. Okay, let's parse that section of our definition out. For decades, we've been told that individuals are racists. More specifically, that certain white people are prejudiced against black people. That has changed in more recent years to be that all white people are racist, whether they realize it or not. CRT goes one step further and adds that the entire system is prejudiced against people of color. This includes laws, policies, and institutions like schools and even churches. Well, here's a little bit more of the definition. According to CRT, societal issues like black Americans' higher mortality rate, outsized exposure to police violence, the school-to-prison pipeline, denial of affordable housing, and rates of the death of black women in childbirth are not unrelated anomalies. So the bottom line is the reason that black Americans have various significant issues as a group is because of a system that works against them rather than for them. One author puts it this way, the problem is not bad people. The problem is a system that produces bad outcomes. But if we're going to understand CRT, we need to become well acquainted with its definition of racism. So here are some more descriptors. Racial bias is a belief. Racism is what happens when the belief translates into action. For example, a person might unconsciously or consciously believe that people of color are more likely to commit crime or to be dangerous. That's a bias. A person might become anxious if they perceive a black person is angry. That also stems from a bias. These biases can become racism through a number of actions ranging in severity. Well, the author of this quote goes on to list things like a person crossing the street to avoid walking next to a group of black men, a person calling 911 to report a person of color who may be doing something unlawful, and a police officer who shoots an unarmed person of color because he supposedly fears for his life. So on an individual basis, racism begins with a racial bias that a particular ethnic group is inferior to our own. Racism then includes the actions that come from that bias. Now, on a corporate basis, systemic racism is carried out by groups who have power, building unfair advantage into the system. But then we also need to talk about something else connected to systemic racism, the concept of white privilege. 
So let me read some of the definitions and descriptions of that as well. Trauma, displacement, cruel treatment, and discrimination of people of color inevitably gave birth to white privilege. In other words, white privilege exists because of historic, enduring racism and biases. Here's the next quote. White privilege is not the suggestion that white people have never struggled. Many white people do not enjoy the privileges that come with relative affluence, such as food security. And white privilege is not the assumption that everything a white person has accomplished is unearned. Most white people who have reached a high level of success worked extremely hard to get there. Instead, white privilege should be viewed as a built-in advantage, separate from one's level of income or effort. White people in America simply have greater access to power and resources than people of color in the same situations do. Okay, so hopefully that all helps to describe this culture of CRT that is currently being taught through the media, and the battle is on to teach it in the schools as well. Speaking of the schools, there are many states that have been pushing back and banning the teaching of CRT in their public schools. Not surprisingly, CRT advocates see themselves as victims, and this move by state governments of just further proof of the existence of systemic racism against people of color. This is how one article puts it. Lawmakers in at least 27 states are attempting to pass legislation that would require teachers to lie to students about the role of racism, sexism, heterosexism, and oppression throughout U.S. history. Well, this view makes sense when you believe that critical race theory is the lens to see all of American history. In their mind, this country was built on racism and continues in its very systems to be racist. To properly address the culture of critical race theory, we need to be teaching ourselves and our children foundational truths about our world over and over again. Our starting place must be Genesis 1 through 4, just like it is for dealing with gender confusion and the homosexuality culture. So what do we learn in these passages? First, we learn that God is the one who created the human race. There is only one race, not many races. Then we learn as human beings, we are all made in the image of God. All human beings, not just some who have particular skin color or language or customs. We also learn when sin entered the world through one man, Adam, the sins of jealousy, envy, rivalry, hate, prejudice, oppression, slavery, these all came in too. We know that from that time on, we have a sin problem, a sin problem that brings division in relationships. We see it manifest right away in Genesis 4, where Cain kills his brother Abel out of jealousy, envy, anger, and hatred. Then we can continue our true history lesson in Genesis 11. In verse 1 of that chapter, we read that all the people of the earth had the same language. They all settled down together in one place instead of scattering across the world. They colluded with each other to build a tower that could reach the heavens, 
essentially wanting to become all-powerful people to conquer the all-powerful God. They wanted to make a name for themselves rather than be named by God. So God confused their languages and scattered them over the face of the earth, thus beginning the history of nations, of cultures, of languages. It isn't long until we see people groups fighting against other people groups, oppressing each other, enslaving each other, fighting for cultural dominance. And of course, you can teach yourself and your children world history. Long before America was founded, we see hatred, prejudice, racism. So as much as America can be labeled a racist country, racism certainly didn't start with us. We are part of a long, sad history of prejudging people on the basis of their skin color, what they look like, what they act like, what their culture is, etc. Because of original sin and our own indwelling sin, none of us are naturally good or fair or unbiased or lack prejudicial thinking. Now let me stop here and make one important point. Hopefully you're not thinking of this explanation or teaching it to your children in a way that in any way minimizes the problems we have with racism in today's world. I'm not saying, hey, it's always been here, no big deal. No, what we are actually teaching is the devastating power of sin and death in our world. Because we are all sinners living in a fallen world, the problem of racism is not just systemic, it is in every heart of every human being. Left to ourselves, we will hate each other, hurt each other, attempt to dominate and subjugate one another. Why do you think sports has always been popular among all peoples throughout history? It is a way to playfully dominate, hate, and beat other people into submission. But I digress. To have a Christ-centered understanding of racism in America, we begin with recognizing our own sin nature and our own need for Jesus. Yet we must go even further, because the sad truth is, even Christians have and can be prejudicial, do racist things, and participate in the oppression of others. We need to repent of our own sins and grow in Christ in these matters. Now, from this foundation, we need to make application to the specific teachings of critical race theory and systemic racism. We especially need to properly define the words and concepts being taught in schools and in the entertainment media. So what I'm going to do is use what PBS, the public broadcasting system in America, is teaching children about CRT. Yes, PBS, that was a big part of my childhood formation with shows like Sesame Street, The Electric Company, and my all-time favorite, Zoom not to be confused with the video meeting service. PBS has provided us with a plethora of videos and articles we can use to teach our children about racism. I will use their concepts and definitions to help us properly educate ourselves and our children. Remember, we are countering this culture to better establish God's kingdom and its culture. First, PBS gives us this definition of racism. 
Racism is essentially using race to create and support beliefs and systems that discriminate against some people and give privileges to other people. Racism is maintained by individuals, groups, and institutions. Now, you can see by this definition that PBS has embraced critical race theory using language of systems and institutional racism. We'll address that in a minute. But we can certainly agree that individuals and groups are acting as racist when they use the color of skin or, or ethnic differences as the sole determiners for giving or denying privileges. This is sinful discrimination. Yet this is rooted in the sin of favoritism, which we all possess. Jacob was wrong for putting Joseph as his favorite simply because of who his mother was. This led to many bad consequences for that family that God redeemed, of course. Scripture is clear that we should not show favoritism of any kind. So white people can certainly be prejudiced against black people, but also black people against white people. Now, some would argue that only dominant cultures, the people in power, can be racist. But by a pure definition, anyone can discriminate against another or give privileges based on race. The really big problem we must correct goes to the heart of critical race theory. It's focus on the systems and institutions as being racist. On this point, we must teach our children that it's silly to say that people are not the problem. The system is the problem, as many in the CRT culture say. Who started the system? Who maintains the system? People are the problem because of our sinful hearts. It is just too easy for any of us to point at a faceless system and say, it's not fair, it's rigged against me. Is it true that some of our systems and institutions in America are biased towards people of color and give more privileges to white people? Certainly. But is this how all systems and institutions have and always will operate? Not necessarily. The bottom line is that critical race theory is all about getting the right people in power, the right people in charge of the systems and institutions to change things. And we must understand not just to level the playing field, but tilt it in their direction. We know from the worldview of those who espouse CRT is that there are two types of people, according to them, oppressors and the oppressed. So if people of color are to stop being oppressed by systems and institutions, they must be in a position to be the new oppressor. This is not the culture of the kingdom of God. While Christians should be all about wanting systems and institutions to operate in fairness and equity, we know that as long as sinners are running them, they will fail at this effort. Yet if we have the opportunity to be those people in positions of power, we should work to bring about a godly justice and fairness to all. So again, we can certainly talk to our children about how systems and institutions can be racist. But we need to balance this with the reality that there is favoritism in all areas of life. There are privileges granted or denied for all the wrong reasons by those who can do it. We'll talk more about that later. Secondly, we have this quote from PBS. Anti-racism is actively noticing, questioning, and opposing racism by taking action to address and speak out about racism through your words and actions. 
Now, we should certainly want our children and our families to be against racism, but that should be a part of a larger goal to be against injustice in our world. Christians are to reflect a just and merciful God to the world. What is missed here is we can't defeat racism by being anti-racist or social justice warriors. We only defeat it by seeing people won over to Jesus Christ to leave behind the kingdom of darkness and its ways and enter into the kingdom of light. Now, if your child sees racist attitudes and behaviors in his or her school or community, that is a great opportunity to talk about it with him or her and discuss what actions should be necessary in those cases. But let's talk for a moment about our older children and teens those more on social media or watching more entertainment and news media. Sadly, they are often receiving biased information about the racist activities happening in our world. And they can react strongly against a report of police violence or something else without knowing all the facts. We need to help our older children and teens and ourselves to not join movements based on wrong information or just become outraged when we don't know what really happened. When more information or facts come out, then yes, we must respond with grief and righteous anger to any and all sinful and evil activities in our world. But we must teach our older children and teens to become discerning in what they see in the media. Talk and think about it first before going on some social media rant that will be stuck in their profile forever. Unfortunately, when Christians stay quiet on some big national racist event, we appear to not care or to somehow approve of it. So we must use wisdom in how we interact with evil things that continue to happen, knowing there's an agenda behind some of them. Then third, here's more from PBS. Black Lives Matter is a movement that advocates for nonviolent civil disobedience to protest police brutality and other racially motivated violence against black people. Now, this is a challenging thing to address. If this is all that BLM was and is, then this would be a simple conversation with our children and teens. But sadly, Black Lives Matter has become the militant arm of the CRT culture. It is not nonviolent. They do not just espouse peaceful protests. They want to do drastic things like end policing, end capitalism, end all white control institutions of America. The name itself is intended to set the agenda. It presumes that white people as a whole don't think black lives matter at all. Just try to respond to someone saying all lives matter and you will certainly be called a racist. This is a movement that wants to produce the results of CRT, gain power over all systems and institutions of this country. So it is a sad thing when Christians post support for this group on their social media. They don't have all the facts most of the time. Granted, they often are just wanting to express that they oppose violence against black people something that all true Christians already oppose. But the news media as a whole has tried to communicate that this is a peaceful protest sort of group. All the violent protests after reports of police brutality paint a much different picture, not to mention the fact that they are actively working to eliminate police forces as well. Sadly, this has led to the impression that all people in law enforcement are racists, 
and the whole system of law enforcement is built on racism, which is just not an accurate picture. Well, let's finish up with a few more items that PBS Kids is using to educate children across the country. Here's another quote. White privilege means that white people do not struggle with being treated unfairly because of their race or skin color. It doesn't mean white families do not experience struggles in life. Well, while we can appreciate this distinction that is made by PBS, we talked about it a little earlier, I think it is a distraction to make us accept the concept of white privilege. This is an instance of being way too general, of painting with a broad brush, of grand overstatement. To say that white people are not treated unfairly because of their skin color is just not true. We may say it doesn't happen as much as to people of color, but again, this is an overstatement. But let's get to the heart of why this needs to be stated at all. Privilege certainly exists in our world because of sin. Why make it sound like only white people experience privilege? Privilege is handed out for all sorts of reasons and in all types of circumstances. In a positive sense, our children have the privilege of being born into a Christian home. Privilege isn't always a bad thing. Two things are being taught here. One, white people are evil from birth because they have the status of preferred color in America. And two, people of color are always working uphill or even doomed because of their lower class status. This perpetuates the thinking that we have a two-tiered caste system in America, whites and then everyone else. Again, there are places and pockets of white privilege in America, certainly. But it's just not fair to paint with this broad a brush. And it certainly doesn't help any of our children of whatever color. It just stokes the fires of division. In CRT, there must always be an oppressor and an oppressed. Whites will always be the oppressor because they are always privileged. And then fifth from PBS Kids, discrimination is the unjust treatment of people and groups based on characteristics such as race, age, religion, gender, ability, or sexual orientation. Yes, it is a good thing to teach our children about the sin of discrimination. And yes, it is much broader than just something that happens to people of color. But this definition is also the way PBS Kids and Hollywood continue to advocate for acceptance of any gender or sexual orientation. You can listen to the last two episodes of Season 9 to hear more about that. The challenge here is to teach what unjust treatment is. Many believe it is unjust treatment for a bakery to deny service to a gay couple or for the transgender to be denied to go to whatever restroom they desire. In many of our schools, the connection is made back to segregation days when blacks couldn't eat in certain places or use uh, whites-only bathrooms. Yes, we want our children to see and recognize unjust treatment of others, but we don't want them to see discrimination as happening where it's not. And then one last teaching segment used by PBS to talk about CRT. Microaggressions are subtle gestures, comments, and biased behaviors towards marginalized groups. 
For example, telling a child of another race that their hair is beautiful and asking to touch it may leave the child feeling like they are not normal, even if you intended it as a compliment. Now, the whole topic of microaggression is filled with landmines. Again, the underlying agenda is to demonstrate that white people are so racist that they don't even know it. All the little things they do and say show how racist they are. The truth is that if we have hatred towards anyone for any reason, our actions, even at the microscopic level, will be the fruit of what's in our hearts. But there are plenty of times that we do things that we don't know offend another person, and we must work that out with that person. Calling them microaggressions emphasizes that white people are always aggressive toward people of color. As Christians, we are called to create a culture where love and kindness and mercy and grace reign because of what Christ has done in our hearts. We must teach our children to be kind and loving to everyone and certainly sensitive to the concerns of others. Again, to be clear, CRT is built on the belief that there are oppressors and oppressed classes, and they will always be divided. Christianity, on the other hand, is built on reconciliation between people and God, and then people with one another in Christ. Now, hopefully this has helped you understand critical race theory a little bit better, so you can continue to train your children and grandchildren how to engage with it, rather than just accept it or ignore it. Just because we know that sin is at the root of racism and racism will always be with us doesn't mean we should be passive about it in our own hearts or in relationships with others. As Christians, we are called to follow the golden rule towards all people. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. But We are also commanded to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, and we're even called to love our enemies. And because we are privileged as Christians, because we are blessed, we are to be a blessing to others. We are to share our greatest blessing with others, not our money or our power or our advantages in this world, but our blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us not become distracted from showing Jesus to the world by declaring the gospel to all. The ills of this world will never be fixed in totality. People will always be oppressed. People will always suffer at the hands of others. But one day, we'll be free from all this in heaven, where there is no disunity, no pain, no sorrow, no favoritism, no prejudice, one people before Jesus our King. This is the way to see the past, present, and future, not through the distorted lens of critical race theory. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.